0: We are community Radio Kilkenny City 88.7 FM. Kyolagas Cora on community radio Kilkenny City 88.7 FM. Laniklas Ob Brenan. Chadwicks Kilkenny supporting community Radio Kilkenny City 88.7 FM.
1: Walter Story Gekola, was Kora, Radio Public Art, Kilkenny, the FM. His Federation of Lesh and of Log, and Loon, Log. Well, me Kur Free of a Serna Nosana, Lesh. to Anvant egg on Air Cursi Sport. Erdouge beg I Irish Federation of Sport, a Gomer and Flore, begs you a kind free role, a man sport in Ireland, agas are a role, a talk key, con sport na man, a cork con keen. Well, the ruga Christor O'Ring, Christy Ring, Cade, Blino, Heninye, be clugas call it Christor Marimani, Augustin Cadesco, beg neach Christor, a kindling Ermogen, you're very welcome to another day's programming on Community Radio Kilkenny City Great to be with you all. And Michal the starts this morning programme talking to us about Halloween and his own uh, experiences of Halloween. Well, the remainder of Céolagos Córra this morning has a strong sporting team. Mary O'Connor is Chief Executive of the Federation of Irish Sport and she joins me this morning to chat about the role of Irish women in sport in 2020, the plans to increase women's participation in sport and also to grow the profile of all women's sport in this country. Yesterday was the 100th anniversary of the birth of Christy Ring, considered by Manny to be the greatest hurler of all time, although you may find Manny here in Kilkenny who would grant that accolade to one of our own. During the week I spoke to Willie Ring, Christy's nephew, about his uncle and his iconic status and the hurling exploits in Cork with both the county team and his club Glen Rovers. Well, Moss, Meen, Latches, Fager, Forger, Kirkhome, Erin, Eight Six Three Five Three Seven Seven Eight Two. That's our text line. Always let hear from our listeners. Agus mo to Tony, Ose, and certainly Samherin Chadwicks done a raect on Clare show. As always, we appreciate the help from Tony and the team in Samharin, Chadwicks for their sponsorship of this program. Agus mo buicis deep to Loch Station, The Don Takiak Don Show. As I always thanks to you, the listeners, for your support for this station. Well, Anish, Tommy, hello, Jamie, Corfe, yes, Anna, Agus na Nors na Boinn,
2: what occurred to me the the fast uh, iog the deenab damashting a cheen a egnat... ...ni beeg egn Shinrod sin rod... ...sin rod e chanig o veric, agus in... Uh, ...ni rwan si tsanelis <laughs> an tradisiun a fi eeg gungna an saha nearing an eaachar... ...agus, eh... <laughs> little psychotic, skeletons, and let them be turned into things and ie who were new people being in nursing and things Due they were thinking of girls who actually They on in I wanted to Ach han har án en kris styrt, án det lagt han en kris styrt, och det är mycket gnädjande och generellt goda. sinn han har inte illa. All Saints Day. Och han har inte en lagen av Afron on, on vajin shin on orna she lidon Shish, the litany of the saints the uh, sa. javina sauna vi an la shin, we have a lot in a lot of people who are living a lot of people who are living a of and when I was in the school and I was in the school, I had a lot of fun in the village of Vina Sauna. in the village, there her three fun as the village of virgin. Sauna. So the was fun be able to get to the the village of a, 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 a half I uh, a marvel. I have a relic, which is not relic, but I have a relic, which is a relic, which is a relic, which is a a relic, which is a agus, agus alua, ag, uh, hanahar, a relic, a August Credimor Well Govershe Lewa Squilfield on borgador A, no E. Well Shin Shinkin Relegunda have one leisure on on sound. August mean the sound of fresh and I fan me so galayer, Virtina Torch uh, Troser and R relig and ishogas uh, or quadruca raw. August um uh, and uh, Shin uh we can hear a spree story a little bit of a hauna Virnadina Og a little bit of on little bit of a little bit of a Ul a cord I guess <laughs> to grime I no piece three fingers <laughs> no a I was <laughs> uh doshis uh the eric on piece of on piece of arrogant let the let the viola. I was working on uh, a kitchen in a preshack, which I had found, which I had bought. on a in a a I blind man's I have seen a lot I people who are in the and they are very much in the and they are very much in and they are very much in the world. It is not a classic way of doing it. I have seen a lot of people who are in the world, which is a the people who are living in the prison are living in the prison. They are living the prison. force, are living Nav the prison. They are living in the prison. On are living in the prison. They the prison. They are living in the prison and the pokey uh august uh or a in saniha. I'll know it's talk we're gonna share the shinegnac the in I guess uh uh <coughs> to lower on the year in Ireland, Irish calendar customs like Kevin Janaher, i all is doing uh fair god trade should in green god feel it in and nose of one lesh on nose on 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 the to among the you johnny Magori and Mo you now so spread about johnny uh and the fact that the people who are living in the world are living in the world, and they are living in the world, and I are and they are living in the world. Johnny and they are living in ägnas allt nu vi vi vi, vi, vi fyller n- n- en bondlighet så tre år då när smära duver en trås i den vän vi pejst in i onda, alltså när kraft inte är här så gör du när tillsammans har du fångigt åren kommer han kvar, alltså en traditionen var i brak so, we can see that the water barini brachs and we can see that the water the no more people who are in the Tina, and no no and no uh, the so an, an uh, an, an an uh, way I was was to make a new house, which was the same way that the house was built in was a new house, the and the people í are uh, living uh, in the world are living in the world. But the and they are living in the world. 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 They are living the first thing a was that the word was written in the past, and it the sé and it the past, and it was written in the past, and it was and the the I sem því ekki að það er að þú ert að and... að þú ert að halda að þú ert að halda að þú ert að halda the þú ert að halda að þú And að halda að þú ert að halda að þú ert we are going to be able to cross <laughs> the bridge and cross <laughs> And the other thing is that we have found an ancient city where in the world. There is no one who has in the the in Yup. <laughs> er he. She said, when she was born, she was born er uh, er er in er a city, was born in a and she was born in a city. She said, she was born in a city, and she was born in a city. D- a city, she was born in a city. She said, to was born in a and she She August Gamulig and Skewed Yarago August Ganin Ven Ishka Veniz Girovich na Tobor Ochle Gob Killig it Frochus Toyn August two Dolgo Hefron August Narcachig in Frechon of the Starcha, Huya Rodella Naravain Starcha feigned Ehle a Hachachon or a Gachokon Prachon. So, Marajaram we should say the grace to the slach lore August Marzellen Dinish pagan Augustacheelt the Danish or August cooler schweier schön e howner fordo ni ni wir ein kosten se dolkris na shopi we had least an
1: the virus has been in the past, and the stages have been in the past. So, the in the sauna and I was the past. I in the past, and I was in the past. I was the past, and I was in the past. I was in in the and
0: we are Community Radio Ckenni City 88.7 FM. Ckollagas Cora on Community Radio Ckenni City 88.7 FM. Thank you for I'm sure you're the Nicholas O'Brennan.
1: For aneske the Ckollagas Cora Imagine show. We are in Clarenistar Mor anicrohura Raimonach Irish Federation of Sport. A kind free role at Haigma in the Igmenna modular sport in Erin. I'll say role at key con sport in the man a Corkonkeen. Well, the year 2020 was to be a big year for women's sport, and it may very well have been that, but clearly the coronavirus pandemic has impacted a lot of the plans, I suspect, for the women's 2020 this year. And joining me on the line is Mary O'Connor, the Chief Executive of the Federation of Irish Sport, a former All-Ireland medal winner with Cork in both camogie and ladies' football. Mary, thank you for taking the time to chat to us. Thank you,
3: Nicky. Thank you for having
1: me on. And Mary, 2020, well, I know what the original targets were. 20% more media coverage, 20% more female participation, 20 20% more attendance at women's games but as I said in the introduction, obviously the year we've had in 2020 made things very difficult there.
3: It absolutely did I mean what the 2019 data showed us was that we were on the right track on the Federation of Irish sport point of view and from a campaign point of view, it was more about being a social movement. Obviously we had those targets of, of 20% and we believe that has made a difference. 80% of the population are now in a recent survey are more aware of women's sport than they were before 2020 and 75% of men say that 20 by 20 has changed their mindset positively towards women's sports so that's what the campaign was about it was about stimulating conversation looking to see individuals looking to see how they this unconscious bias when it came to, to, to women in sport. I think that's the important thing is that people are having these conversations and that obviously if you increase the coverage of women's sports if you increase the attendances at women's sports and obviously if you increase the participation they all help each other. You know.
1: Absolutely and of course uh, during the course of this year a lot of the games programs were impacted because of COVID and I suppose that now, un- I know the men's games were as well, but we'll stick with the women's games. That was unfortunate because I-, I suspect there was a fair lot of momentum built up with what was happening from the from 2019 into 2020.
3: Yeah, yeah that's absolutely it. I mean, the, the momentum had been built up, but we also need to understand that the likes of Tokyo, the Olympics and the Paralympics, they were going to have a huge impact on the next generation a female athlete because you know you had Irish teams you had the biggest Irish team, Olympic team and Paralympic team ever going to the Olympics in 2020 and obviously you had a team sport going to the Olympics for the first time ever with hockey qualifying so It was a hugely positive vibe going into 2020 and obviously nobody could have foreseen the challenge that that COVID-19 has had for us but I think the 20 by 20 campaign has actually sustained women's involvement in sport because it resonates more than just with the elite athlete or the talented sports person it actually resonates with every female who has any even an interest in sport be it recreational or competitive and that's what we want to try and do we want to get more women active so, they can find a sport or a physical activity that suits them. Not everybody's into team sports, not everybody's into physical contact sports. Some people just want to be active. And what we tried to do with the campaign was to try and broaden people's horizons as to what actually is available to them in their community. Like, obviously, if you grow up in a county like Kilkenny, a traditional Gaelic games county, that, that opportunity is always there. But also to show that there's loads of other sports that people can play in, in counties like Kilkenny, and that's important too.
1: I know we'll deal with maybe just the, the, the international sports just for a moment, but certainly the whole women's approach to sport and women's involvement in sport has been hugely enhanced by the Irish hockey team and we were all enthralled by what was happening there. Clearly by Katie Taylor on the boxing side, some brilliant in athletics and also by rowing. And and I'm only touching on some of them there.
3: Yeah, no, look and, and that's it. And the fact that you can call on so many of those sports and I think a lot of the the awakening for women's sport in this country happened way back when the women's rugby team won the Grand Slam. Very true. And and I think you know that's when the conversation started happening and people start to taking notice and it is important that if you have our female athletes achieving on the world stage it absolutely will have a knock on effect on their individual sports but also it enhances the opportunities for girls to become aware of what's available to them and that's why media coverage of women's sports is so important Nikki conversations like I'm having with you now are, are so important because some people don't understand that if you have a newspaper or a radio show and it's 90% 100% about male sports that does have a knock on effect on a girl who is maybe a teenage girl who can't be influenced well, can't see it how can she be it so that's why media coverage is becoming more and more important and also I suppose it's good to point out that we have this new age technology now where we have social media we have individuals who can be their own journalists by having their own phone and Instagram and Twitter and it's about actually making sure that we all understand that we have a role to play and I've, I've got on record as saying this isn't just a campaign for women, by women it's about all of society it's about dads uncles, grandfathers taking an interest and having understanding of the opportunities that are there for girls, but also support them at whatever level they choose to participate at.
1: Well we must remember too that maybe our dad's influence is to a certain extent, but women are becoming more influential, the mothers in the house are becoming more influential and directing them towards sport is, is important from that perspective, so we must understand the influence that women bring to this whole discussion.
3: No, absolutely, I mean we have said in the past that we need more women to support women's sport, absolutely and that is growing and I think we have a generation of others and guardians now who understand the benefits of sport from beyond the fact that her daughter might be good at sport, the actual social benefits of being involved in sport, the things that we take for granted, you know, that sport teaches us, Nikki, around cooperation, leadership, commitment listening skills, all those things that sport teaches a young child, be they male or female, will stand to them in later life when they go to college and when they get a career and so on. So, And it's really important that females inside you understand that they do have a role to play. In the recent survey that we did, 60% of females that were surveyed said that they'd be more inclined to purchase from brands that support women's sport. So it's important that from a sponsorship point of view that sponsors understand that as well and when they're sponsoring a men's team that they're also looking to say, well, is there a female side to this sport as well and that's going to become more and more apparent uh, as
1: we go on. Yeah and of course we've been hearing a lot even in very recent times, I know it's there regularly, but the whole mental health issues and the problems that's in the country, not helped of course by Covid, but sport is a hugely important way of, of supporting young people to cope with their mental health challenges because to be fair to them between college, relationship issues and m- challenges like that, sport is a great enabler to help people cope with one another. Yeah,
3: look I mean you, you've hit the nail in the head. fortunately you built with mental health and it well-being it's becoming an increasing challenge now in our society especially with with COVID-19 and I think sport is a great release even going for a walk just getting out in the fresh air but you no know, we would often say that in terms in GA terms when you cross the white line you can forget about what's going on in, in the real life you could just switch off for the hour the hour and a half when you're pucking a ball around or kicking a ball around and that's really important and that opportunity for for young people to converse with each other to meet up and, and have have fun as well as learning and and getting fit but that opportunity is really important and it goes back to the point I made earlier about it not all being about competitive sport yes that's important but also giving the girls the opportunity to enjoy just being part of a team being having a sense of identity and our young people today are significantly challenged by that because I was lauding social media earlier but social media also has a downside I was driving to work a, a few weeks back and I saw five or six kids standing at a bus stop and every one of them had their heads down into their phone. So it's actually about taking them away from that side of the house as well and giving them an opportunity just to explore the opportunity to have fun.
1: When we were all going up Mary I know it's the same with I'm sure reply to, to yourself there was role models. Are role models important for young women?
3: They absolutely are. You have a whole generation of young female boxers now in Ireland that were inspired by by Katie Taylor's heroic in the London Olympics. Hockey has seen the growth of membership in their sport for females grow exponentially in the last couple of years. And I think that is down to what their hockey team achieved in the World Championships. Obviously, in sport, Gaelic games are our indigenous sports. You're always going to have the opportunity for girls to participate in those sports all over the country. But we are finding out there are niche and emerging sports that have role models that are role models that are going to the Olympics that are really influencing young people. And I think, for a female point of view, the more role models we have, the better. Because, obviously, then, that ensures that it becomes the norm. And we want to try and create a new norm with this campaign.
1: Talking about Indigenous sports, from an uh, Irish perspective, I suppose the larger sports are camogie and ladies' Gelly football. And both those organisations have thrived over the last number of years. You not just as a player in both codes, but you led the camogie association splendidly for a number of years there. How are you seeing a women's sport in, in the context of, of um, Kogi and ladies' football now?
3: Obviously, look, from a ladies' football point of view, they struck gold a good number of years ago by creating that partnership with TG Cahar. So what that enabled them to do was to demonstrate the value and the the skill set of their sport to every audience in in the country, we'll say, through households, through TG Cahar. And that obviously has helped them grow their television audience, but also it helps helps to captivate young girls' imaginations around playing ladies' football at a county level. From a Camogie point of view, they, they have increased their coverage in the last couple of years years and that's important because Nicky when I was playing it was only the All-Ireland final that was televised live and if that didn't happen to be a good game then people's perception of the game at Camogie could be based on that one match and that wasn't good for the sport but Camogie have come on now you've got the quarter finals and they semi-finals and our ireland finals televised live they had the national league games live they've had double headers with the ga which obviously helps as well significant opportunities still exist for the game of camogie to grow in your non-traditional counties and i know some great inroads have been made there obviously from a lady football point of view they have seen exponential growth in the number of older women possibly taking up the sport through their Mothers and Others initiative and that just shows you when you be innovative around a traditional sport how you can gain new audiences.
1: I suppose both ladies codes at the moment don't help themselves with the issue around the clashing of fixtures and that and I'm not going into any specific issue as such but in general that doesn't help their cause when they're not seen to be able to put their fixtures at a time to support the dual player and I know that would be particularly relevant to Cork.
3: Yeah look obviously it is a very difficult situation to be in and obviously you have a number of players in my own county who are particularly affected. There's been calls for for one association but I don't think that will solve the problem because obviously in the GA they are the one association and there's no inter-county elite dual player left in Gaelic games because the schedule is just too hectic. But I do think that there there needs to be obviously conversations held around even if the girls could get 24 hours in between games but it's very easy to I suppose to comment when you're on the outside but I do understand the difficulties a player myself who played both codes, you did end up playing games twice in, in the one day and it's not ideal it's not right there will need to be both conversations had about this and planning COVID-19 obviously has really narrowed the window for games this year which hasn't helped but I do think look uh, I think people are, are appreciative of the fact that it isn't right but how you actually fix is the key question and there are more qualified people than me now having a look at that but so you would hope that individuals who want to play both sports who are committed to both sports and obviously have our highly skilled that they should be allowed to perform for, for both county teams but as I said it's a very very difficult solve and it's something that has been going on for uh, you could say nearly two generations of a
1: yeah. county player now Absolutely you know. Mary. Mary I'm looking at a, a report today that came out from the WGPA, the Ladies, the Women's Gaelic Players Association and it cites the it was a study that involved 534 of their members. I don't know if you actually seen it now but it shows the amount of effort and time they're putting into the inter-county scene and like their counterparts in the GPA that produced a similar report maybe last year cited the amount of time the lads were putting into it. This is not sustainable at the level it's coming up at. So s- something has to give here somewhere because it's not sustainable in an amateur environment.
3: I haven't seen the report now. I, I didn't re- realise there was a, a report out. But look, obviously the standards of the play into county now ha- have heightened in, in more recent times especially with the emergence of people valuing this SNC and, and so on. And I, I, I agree. I don't think it is sustainable. I think what COVID-19 has shown us is that there's an appetite for club games and there's an appetite for an inter-county game, about having split seasons. I think all these things need to be looked at because, like you, I don't think it's sustainable. I think what it would lead to is an inter-county career for both male and females being very, very short because, obviously, if you're giving a huge amount of time to being an inter-county athlete, not just actually at the organised training sessions, but your own time in terms of gym sessions and recovery sessions and so on, and obviously taking into account a lot of these individuals are trying to go to college and form form a career for themselves it's, it must be a very difficult balancing act
1: Unlike well, like the men's side of it the, the women's game at that level at inter-county level it doesn't have the resources to pay out expenses like the men's game uh, at least has up to now anyway
3: No look I mean that that's a, a very valid point and it is true the The revenue that is generated from football going to inter-county Camoguilay's football games outside of the All-Ireland semi-final and finals isn't there like it would be for the men's games but I think all these this type of research is important and it's actually about saying well what can we try and do to, to lessen the workload to shorten the, the, the time that these girls are committing to inter-county and, 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 and the travel and so on because that all does have an effect on the individual
1: Mary before I let you go just last issue to raise is that well thanks to the efforts of yourself in particular funding for women's sport has improved a lot you have lobbied between with the Irish Sports Council or Sport Ireland as it's known now and obviously with the government bodies the future of funding for women's sports mary is is that can that be increased is there is there an appetite within the irish sporting body to allow that to happen or to make it happen because ultimately women's sport does need more funding if it is to make the sort of progress as envisaged in the 2020 strategy
3: yeah look obviously we talk about equality but we we must get equity first and i think that's a valid point I, i sport ireland have been funding women in sport since 2004 and it has made huge inroads in terms of the number of participation of women and girls in sport. And the last year, they appointed uh, the former rugby player, North in into the position of women and sport officer and they created a women in sport policy so when you have a policy you know that needs to be resourced and i'd be confident that the department at government level and sport ireland are committed to ensuring that women's sport is continuing to be funded and i wouldn't have any worries with that regard i myself sit on the sport ireland women in sport committee and it's made up of a huge cohort of individuals who are committed to ensuring that women's sport continues to increase in, in terms of a standard but also in terms of participation because when you do that you
1: have a healthier society very much so mary well look mary i appreciate you taking time to chat to us i know the brilliant work you do as ceo of the irish uh, federation of sport and you've done in many other in many other areas look good wish to you too mary and continue good work and uh, i'm sure we'll we'll find a reason to chat to you again about something or other
3: thanks very much nicky
0: take care Thank you.
1: Yeah, the best in modern Nikra Hur or i Irish Federation of Sports, Baby Turnash, lay kind, willy ring to raise the fogry show.
0: We are Community Radio Kilkenny City 88.7 FM Kus Kora on Community Radio Kilkenny City 88.7 FM the Nikolaus O'Brain
1: on Yeah Fatcher and Ashkodi Kyle August Cora. Well the rugger Christor Rein Cade Bino He was beat Logus Christor marimani Mani then Kate Sko. Well in Ishta to Nia Christor limorin Rin, Toshek Horsey Sir Hale Christor, er I was there Nikli Dimmer Christor, le Hurkig, I was Lenna Club von Atl- Atlanta Atlanta, Rovers. Well, the argument about who the best hurler ever was uh, still continues to this day. In Kilkenny, I suppose we would claim the likes of Eddie Kerr, DJ Carey, Henry Shefflin. Down in Wexford, it would be some of the records and maybe a lot more with them. Tipperary be John Dial, Jimmy Dial, who knows. Down in Limerick, it would be Mick Mackey. But there's no such dispute in Cork. It's the great Christy Ring. And had he lived, Christy Ring would have been a 100 on Friday the 30th of October. And joining me on the line now to talk about Christy Ring, and he would know him a lot better than anybody would, is his nephew, Willie Ring. I've known Willie for a long time. He's been a great servant of the G and many administrative positions down in Cork and in East Cork. Willie, good to talk to you.
4: And you too, Nick.
1: Tell us about Christy Ring growing up in Cline and what the what was the kind of the set-up at that stage? What sort of a background did he arrive in the world to?
4: Well, I mean, I can only go back, I suppose, Nick, to the early 50s. I was privileged in that. My father, he used to bring me to matches when I was maybe from six years of age on, so... I saw Christie playing from the the early 50s up to the end of his career. I know it was a very different world at that time, and jobs were scarce, transport wasn't anything like it was now, most lads didn't have cars, and Christie was working and living in Cork. But the highlight of all the young lads, and I'm going on 10 years more now even, was if Christie's car arrived home, it would be early afternoon on a Saturday. And it was like the Bush Telegraph went around. He's here. And every young fella, and adults as well, grabbed their holding. If you had holding boots, you put them on and you went up to the field and sure enough everyone waited with bated breath until he came out because the back gateway of his house opened out onto the hurling field and out he'd come and maybe for two hours or two and a half hours even hard to believe you were playing backs and forwards with him in the middle and everyone pulling and trying to get a puck and all the rest of it and I often thought he did more hurling there on a Saturday afternoon maybe the day before a county final than other players were going to do the final
1: And of course, look, his club was Klein initially, and obviously that's where he learned his hurling, that's where he played his underage hurling with Klein and with some neighbouring clubs because they were joined up. But a dispute developed in Klein and both himself and his his brothers, they actually went to three separate clubs. Now, I don't want you to agree, we don't want to go back over things that might have happened, but did that upset people in Klein at the time that somebody of Christy Ring's stature would, would actually go off and play with another team?
4: He was very early in his career at that stage, Nick, you know. Yeah, he didn't
1: have the profile he subsequently no, got, of course. No,
4: no, no, and well, I, I, I don't know the ins and outs of the dispute. Everyone has their own opinion about it, but it happened and he went to Cork and he had no club, I suppose, for one year maybe, and then he went to Glen Rovers. Now, from my information is that Glen Rovers didn't go hunting for him, or people say, oh, he was friendly with Jack Lynch and Jack probably, Bob. I don't know. I think Jack said that did not happen and maybe anyway, he won't up with Glen Rovers from forty one on and played the rest of his hurling up there then but he was still always very connected with Klein and even though we were junior now he was help. my father was training Klein teams for a lifetime and went to the East Cup final in 1958 and he'd come down to help out with the coaching and that and again in 61 went on and won the county and he was helpful again that year with my father and like as I said he was at home Probably every Saturday that he could come home, he was out in the field holding and all the locals were there. And he might go back to Cork and play a county final and come back home to Klein again on Sunday after the match and be around for a few hours. and. He always then, on Sunday evenings, if he was at home, would go to the local parish church for what we called the rosary and devotions at 7 o'clock, and he'd come back out. And I always remember he had a habit of coming out to the main gate of the churchyard in front of the church, and you'd always have a few old men standing around talking before they'd depart to go home. And he always seemed to make a habit of standing and talking to the elderly people. Maybe for ten minutes and then he'd go off into his car and
1: drive. And because his religion was very important to him.
4: It was. He was a very religious man. I mean, I wasn't aware of this now for year until years afterwards, that he used to go to daily mass in St. Augustine's in Cork, in the city, and that's where he donated his 8 all Ireland medal to a priest in St. Augustine's, which was melted down and put in the shape of a plain cross on the bottom of a chalice in St. Augustine's church in Cork.
1: I I never actually knew that, but that's that's an incredible gesture, and I suppose it did. I was aware he was quite a devout Catholic.
4: Oh, yeah, and I, I remember there was my father and I attended a function now, but don't ask me what year. It might have been 25 years after he died or something like that. And Bishop John Buckley was at it, and he came over talking to us, and he asked, was there anything happening for commemoration at the time? And we said, we didn't hear anything. Leave that with me, he said. And shortly afterwards, we got word that there was a commemoration mass to be held in Glenrover's clubhouse, and Bishop Buckley was saying the mass himself and he had the chalice on the altar and he showed it to people on the night pointing out the cross that was in, highly off the base of the chalice you could see the cross the eight all
1: element well of course going to Glen Rovers he had an incredible career there winning was it something like 14 county titles with, one and, 40, yeah, and, yeah, with and one football I spotted that in doing <laughs> a little bit of research but I mean he played with Huge men there, like like Jack Lynch, of course, yes. and uh, many Johnny Clifford, many more that I names I yes. can't recall. You yes. know, yes. but yes. clearly he was very special when it came to at Rovers, and will always be revered as one of their most famous sons, if not the most famous son. Yeah,
4: well, I remember Dave O'Brien uh, comparing him to Jack Lynch. He said. Jack Lynch was Jack Lynch he was one of theirs if you like a local man but he said Ring was God even when Jack was Taoiseach he was still Jack but Christy was God he was special
1: yeah well we'll we talk maybe later on before we wrap up about the the elegant uh, dress that uh, Lynch gave at his uh, at his oh, funeral I because funeral. I was actually at that funeral in the presence alongside me was of all the people uh, John Dyle, a man he came up yeah. who came up against Ring but it yeah. obviously his inter-county career uh, for um, Cork it, it, it actually began in a tour game in 1939 it's so long ago now Uh, he came on as a a substitute and I suppose little were the Cork people to know the whole influence he was to have on the Cork game and the Cork team over the number of decades that followed because he has a unique record of having played senior inter-county hurling in four decades
4: yes Well, I suppose it's very hard to compare as you know, players of today with players of 20 years ago or 30 years ago or 40 years ago and the one thing always strikes me is he finished playing inter-county hurling almost 60 years ago and people are still talking about him. People are asking questions about him, people are writing about him, people are comparing other people to him and the great pity to my mind is that we hadn't television there when he was playing because the young people today, who are keen fans of Horvig and following the current players won't ever just how good he
1: was. I think that's I think that's very 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 true but uh, there are some maybe old pate films but really they don't do justice to the way the hurling is covered today and I suppose that's, that's the pity, but it's a credit to those people who made those films in the day but but what yeah. we have though is we have acres of print that talks elegantly ab- about yeah. ring but in down in cork h- how was he seen as a, as a hurler what was it about him he was physically strong he had great skill yeah. you might just tell me how how cork people perceive ring to be the greatest what were the things that he achieved that made him, get him such an accolade?
4: Well, I tell you, Nick, my memory of it, now this is a personal thing, of course, and I would have a keen interest on it, going to the matches with my father. And I remember the old athletic grounds, they had an enclosure, kind of, just more like a sheep pen than an enclosure, with railway sleepers as seats, and you'd be packed inside in it like sardines. And if the ball went up to the corner where he was playing, you could see everybody rising up out of the seats. Even though we'll say it was the were playing Bars or Rockies, even if the game was going against them and time was running out, everybody expected him to provide some piece of magic to win the match and he rarely let him down.
1: Yeah, and I think I think it was the, the, the skill that he displayed was what had, the, you, you could, you could in some of the clips I've seen and the runny very short clips or even what I've read, I mean the, the crowd drew gasps at some of the things that Ring used to do on the field.
4: Yes, Well, my father and Christy were very, very close. And the two of them were absolutely obsessed with hurling. So I learned sitting by the fireside as a young fella all the way hurling, hurling, hurling. And both of them could stay talking to you about hurling all day long. But my father always said to me, the one thing Christy had was dedication, to training and perfecting different skills. And he always said if he practiced a particular skill 100 times, if it worked once in a big game, it was worth the practicing 100 times.
1: Absolutely. And I've often have heard it said as well that as he drove around delivering oil in East Cork and that he always had a hurley and ball in the cab.
4: Oh, yes. and, And when he got a chance, he went out and poked around. Every time he could get a chance, he had a hurley in his hand and he was practicing something and he was equally adept left or right-handed and I often said to the lads in recent times if he was only in his prime now taking 21-yard freeze with one man standing on the line how many goals would he score?
1: The hurling today is it is physical, yes but it probably isn't quite as physical as it was back in the 50s and 60s and we've seen some games and they were they were fairly heavy going. Now, Ring was well able to defend himself but I mean because he was such a prolific scorer and skill man was it ever felt in Cork that he got fairly targeted on the field
4: I think it was felt all the time <laughs> <But> <laughs> you mentioned John Dyle whom I knew well and if, if you look at the film called Ringy John Dial describes it and he said going out to play cockies it was like going to war and that's what it was like now you remember yourself at Congress when they changed the rules going back to Christie's time the backs had a great advantage because they were able to dish out all kinds of punishment. The forward had only one ambition, and that was to score. But they changed the rules and and pulled up all this kind of stuff that was going on, and then the forwards got an even break, if you like. But he had to endure an awful lot of punishment when he was playing because, naturally, he was the danger man. And he often talked about himself and other players and, like, he would say, oh, he met players that were faster than him or more skillful than him, which I doubted. But the one thing he always said, he never met any opponent that was stronger than him.
1: I'm just looking at the, getting some stuff out of the chat with you, really. I just noticed that in, in 53, there was, an abs- there was an altercation at a, a reception for the teams after the 53 final between Galway and Cork I suppose right. that was unusual at the time I suppose but it what it that game apparently finished on a on a sour note
4: it did well I wasn't at that match but I, I I heard a lot about it in fact I I met the man who struck him and had a very pleasant day with him through a friend of mine in Galway and the man told me himself he always regretted that he had struck him and often meant to put pen to paper but never
1: did. One of the things I and I spoke to a number of Wexford people about this over the last year we were talking about various players in the 1956 All-Ireland playing Wexford and this is what Ring has said after the game when I got through I thought I had it he was getting through for a goal but yeah. Foley had already that was Art Foley and fair play yeah. to him. Him. he yeah. made a great save. After the slither had been cleared, Ring raced in and grabbed Foley by the hair and said to him you little bee, you're beaten us Foley replied, it's about so time someone did and both men shook hands and Ring congratulated him on his save and after the game, Nick O'Donnell, Bobby Record and Mark Foley put Ring on their shoulders and <coughs> carried him off the field. After such a competitive game when, a, when there was no quarter given or asked, to do that I'm sure that was something very special.
4: Oh it was, I don't think that was ever seen before or since in park and, you know, I probably won't ever be seen. It it was on unbelievable, if you like, that a, a county that had been striving for victories and All-Ireland medal wins and so on, Wexford had the breakthrough in 55 and now they're the second one. And if you can imagine the euphoria among Wexford players that day when they'd beaten Cork in an All-Ireland final, that their first thought would be to go and pick him up and shoulder him off the field. I don't think you
1: can measure any sportsmanship to that. I completely agree with you. And of course it must be said that now unfortunately no longer with us, Railway Cups the likes of Ring uh, joining and uh, playing in, the, in those Railway Cups and many other great players over the years, they were the reason those competitions were so popular because it was also an opportunity for players maybe from the lesser successful counties to be part of teams in which Ring was playing. That must have been a, a huge fillip for those players as well.
4: Well, he always trained particularly hard for Railway Cups. He had great pride in playing for Munster. And as you can appreciate, you had Limerick, Tip and Cork and Waterford too at the time and an odd man like Jimmy Smith of Clare and so on it wasn't easy to get on a Munster team at the time and he won 18 Railway Cup medals which will never be equaled I think John Dial is lying next to him and he has 8 so 18 is an unbelievable record I know it has gone down in stature and everything now but at that time it was highly regarded by the players because it meant that within your province you were being picked among the best of all the counties in your province and the the year after he was finished with Munster, I think the attendance went down about five thousand, and it went into decline. I must say, people travelled from Northern Ireland and places to see him playing with Munster, and he always gave outstanding exhibitions. I remember Donny Nealand described playing with him in one of them. I think he scored four goals and five points.
1: Incredible! And of course, he had a, a very successful stint as a selector with Cork as well. I mean, he was he was there during a golden period in the seventies.
4: He was, and I uh, pity was that he died in 79 because they might have achieved another four no I thought.
1: Of course he died a young man. He wasn't 60, Willie. That no. must have devastated all the, his family, of course. Apart from all the legion of followers that he had in Cork and elsewhere, for his family and for his and the family, that was absolutely tragic because he hadn't even reached his 60th mm-hmm. birthday. He was a non-drinker, non-smoker, very well looked after his health, was playing squash two days before he died. It was yeah. inexplainable, isn't it? Well,
4: I can tell you, He played an exhibition squash match in the opening of squash rooms I think in Kildare GA club up in North Cork, a couple of nights before he died and he played with Eamon Young and I can tell you I know Youngie well and I know Christy and neither one of them would like to be beaten by the other or by anybody else and from what I can gather in the squash course it was like gladiators be fit and determined and all the rest of it I, I, to hand const- coordination and everything yet two days later he dropped dead. I can tell you I remember it from personal experience I was in the bathroom getting. Getting ready because I was secretary of client club. Our annual dinner was on in Gary Hotel that night. And at about half a six or quarter to seven, my phone rang and my wife said, you wanted on the phone. And I said, who is it? And she said, Father Hallidon. He was a curate client. He was on the committee of the club. I went down the stairs and Father Paddy said to me, I have bad news for you. I said, what is it? He said, your uncle. And I said, which one? And he said, Christy. And I said, what happened to him? And he said, he had a heart attack. And I immediately said, what hospital is he in? And he said, I'm afraid he didn't survive it. That was how I got to see So a... I immediately had to ring the chairman of the club and say, look, lad, I'm just after hearing. You can do what you like about your dinner. I must collect my father and Go to Cork. I drove my father up to Cork and we were directed into the mortuary in the south infirmary. And he was lying up in a slab inside in that room. fully clothed just as if he was asleep. And I say we were there. Nobody came near us, I'd say, for an hour or more. And it seemed like a week. And my father never spoke for that hour. Would imagine he was going through all the
1: memories. Well as I said I was down at that funeral and uh, just going to quote a small bit from the address of Jack Lynch because it's it's worth recalling as long as young men will match their hurling skills against each other on Ireland's <coughs> green fields as long as young men swing their commands for the sheer thrill of the field and the tingle of their fingers and the impact of ash and leather as long as hurling is played the story of Christy Ring will be told and that will be forever. Brilliant words from Lynch at the graveside and it probably summed up what uh, anybody there and Those who couldn't be there were thinking.
4: Well, Nick, the funeral was unreal because as you know, it left Ballin Lock in the morning. I drove ahead of it down because there was guards of honour at different clubs all the way from the city down through East Park And the funeral itself, the burial probably didn't take place until about three o'clock in the afternoon. When I went to Klein, the curling field was was for parking, the pubs were open, people were giving tea and that to visitors and all the rest. The graveyard to me was half full, it was roped off. There was a lot of famous inter-county people there that I would recognise that the local lads mightn't know. And I was looking around, and I was shaking hands, was welcoming some of them. And one person I saw there, and I knew he wasn't well at the time, was Mick Mackey. And I took him to Christie's house so he could have a cup of tea and sit down for a while. And I literally brought a chair from the house over so he could sit down during the funeral. And would you believe we had people there from all over Ireland, as you know, and from the field. John Kerry O'Donnell flew in from New York. I remember meeting Mick O'Connell and Dr. Brian McMahon about a mile outside Klein before we started shouldering the coffin.
1: It was an incredible day. Well, I just thought that on the anniversary of 100 years, that he would have been born, I thought it was worth recalling the feat of Christy Ring, and no better person to talk about it than yourself. Willie, thanks for your time, and I do appreciate you recalling some happy memories and then the sad occasion at the finish. No, welcome, Nick. You're welcome. Yeah, de in lima ring a kind Fe Uncle Christor. Well, to Christy Ring, ag ma neacht for my marker, far cune a ossan Well, in a coo shawn, imani her clon a be Christy. Well, to fogra gum, PJ Cullen, he says, Nicky, Glen Rovers played Bennis in a tournament. Liam Clear held Christy ring scoreless, and the Glen Rovers team carried Liam Clear shoulder high off the field. Wasn't that a
5: fantastic gesture? Well, fogrel a gang anish. Imagine you were born in nineteen hundred. When you are fourteen. World War 1 begins and ends when you are 18 with 22 million dead. Soon after a global pandemic, the Spanish flow appears, killing 50 million people. And you are alive and 20 years old. When you are 29, you survive the global economic crisis that started with the collapse of the New York Stock Exchange, causing inflation, unemployment and famine. When you are 33 years old, the Nazis come to power. When you are 39, World War II begins and ends when you are 45 years old with a 60 million dead. In the Holocaust, 6 million Jews die. When you are 52, the Korean War begins. When you are 64, the Vietnam War begins and ends when you are 75. A child born in 1985 thinks his grandparents have no idea how difficult life is. But they have survived several wars and catastrophes. Today we have all the comforts in our new world amid a new pandemic, but we complain because we need to wear masks. We complain because we must stay confined to our homes where we have food, electricity, running water, Wi-Fi, and even Netflix. None of that existed back in the day, but humanity survived those circumstances and never lost their joy of living. A small change in our perspective can generate miracles. We should be thankful that we are alive. We should do everything we need to do to protect and help each other. This message should reach everyone. Please help spread it.
1: bhuel sin déaradh an and den lá weeks the tá Sam Harry Chadwick, tá Steve Sheehy, Loch Dheislagh, St Finbarr in clár, Fána Mugbera, in Táirre Willie Parsons, a chocolate spíosail a lightar é sinúchtar de chlócais bia Acrail in clár, shaoirí pubicarka and in lonar in na hÉireann, clócaí P.C. Coill, conderic in clár, our an scríbhliomh anil a dunvor and achileach a Kinnig, Tá sé Connach Matty Weldon nágas in tao ar an The Great Christy Ring the Sarn Chúchóing slán agus pánacht. <laughs>